Becky Horn, Executive Director at Pretty in Pink Foundation, joined me on the podcast this week to share the history, vision, and mission of the foundation. It was started in 2004 to help patients in North Carolina with the financial burden of breast cancer treatments. They are doing amazing work to help patients receive the life-saving treatment that they need. I do want to make a correction at the end of the episode that it was actually Rhonda Howell that connected me with Pretty in Pink. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for that connection. I appreciate it. Take a listen in. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today, Becky. It's so nice to have you. I'm just delighted to be here, Melissa, and thank you for helping us get the word out about Pretty in Pink Foundation. Absolutely. Anything that I can do to help get the word out about different foundations and how those impacted by breast cancer can get supports and services, I am all for it. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Pretty in Pink. I want to know um, all of the good juicy details about when it got started, why it got started, how it got started, who started it. You know, I always feel like um, there's a reason behind everything. You know, something was lacking, something was missing when people create, you know, charities or foundations. So I would love to hear the story uh, behind Pretty in Pink. Well, that's a great question. And and I'll just start at the beginning because that really tells our story. Uh, We were founded by Dr. Lisa Tolnich. She's a uh, breast cancer surgeon here in, in Raleigh. And, um, when she founded Pretty in Pink, it was because she learned that several of her patients, uh, after getting their um, description of the services that they needed to get next, were not showing up for their chemo or their radiation or, or even their surgery. So she started checking behind this to see what was going on and discovered that these uh, economically disadvantaged women were having to make in- terrible, impossible financial choices about whether to put food on the table and pay their rent or pay their medical bills for life-saving medical treatment for breast cancer. So uh, wanting to solve that problem, she started Pretty in Pink uh, in 2004 with the mission that continues to be our mission, which is that we are we provide uninsured and underinsured breast cancer patients in North Carolina with financial assistance for life-saving medical treatment. So we wake up every day and try to find economically disadvantaged women in active treatment for breast cancer in our state and make sure that we remove their financial barrier to care, whatever it is, whether it's their insurance or their their copays or deductibles or just outright paying their bills, we do that so that they can get their medical treatment and, a, and an increased chance of survival. Absolutely. So, well, yeah, Dr. Tom started that in 2004, and when we served our first, first patient in 2006. Yeah, well, and that's 
I mean, there are so many parts of this foundation that I love. Um, first of all, just this doctor, you know, just the fact that she acknowledged that something wasn't right. You know, I mean, she could have easily, I know that, that surgeons are so busy. They have so many things on their plates. Um, you know, they're, they're juggling not only their own life, but, you know, trying to, um, take care of their careers. And I know that they work long hours, but to step back and recognize that something was going on that didn't seem right, you know, and to, to then start digging. I mean, that, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it just, I am, I am genuinely in awe of the fact that she has done that because it would be so easy again not for a lack of caring, but I think more of just how overwhelmed doctors are in general to just kind of turn a blind eye to it and not, you know, kind of figure out what was going on behind it. So I, you know, kudos, you know, to Dr. Lisa Tolnich, because I I think that's amazing for her to, um, you know, take a deeper look into that. And the other thing behind this is that, uh, so I was diagnosed in 2007 And almost immediately after, I would say within the first two years of my diagnosis, I started doing some research on un- and underinsured women in America um, who have cancer and specifically breast cancer. And I was floored at the lack of resources that were available, or I guess the resources not available. to those, you know, to, to that group of people and they were losing their lives over it. So I I just, I love this foundation for so many reasons. Well, and she is a very special person. Uh, She's extremely driven to do good and to leave a legacy of caring behind. She is a very busy surgeon. I think she was the first surgeon in North Carolina to do a lumpectomy She's at the top of her game and uh, is a continual researcher. So on top of all of that, she figured out how to start a nonprofit. (laughs) She could have put these people to the health department, you know, and uh, and and uh, they would have done whatever they could have done. But uh, unfortunately, it's I hate to say it out loud, but there are um, institutions that in our state medical institutions that will refuse a woman her, her chemo or her radiation or her surgery mm. if she it cannot uh, prepay if she's uninsured or if she's insured, hasn't paid her last bill. No, 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 they can, no. They can do her. <laughs> so it's um, oh. she, all. And these people, when by the time we see them, Melissa, they have, uh, we're their last resort. Wow. They to the charity arm of the hospital, or they, and they've already been to their their church and their relatives and everything else. By the time they come to us, they have nowhere else to turn. We are the only nonprofit in the state whose primary mission is to provide medical is to fund medical treatment for breast cancer patients. Yeah, we're it. I mean, so, I I have to tell you, you know, I, again, this is like for me, this is a really um, this is one of the topics that really just sets heavy in my heart and has for a very, very long time. I tried so hard um, 
to make that the mission. So I had created something called Cancer Fighting Princess, and that was my mission. My mission was to financially support un- and underinsured, um, you know, women and men who were, were going through breast cancer. And, you know, I unfortunately didn't have the means to make that happen. So I'm sitting here with chills and just tears because this is mm. such a necessary thing for so many and not even just in North Carolina, but just in general, you know, I mean, is, just yeah, so many, that is, so many. That sorry. Is so true. Um, I'm sorry. We, we're, we're so passionate about this. I, we are. <laughs> I feel the way. Uh, sadly, we're, we, one thing we all both have in common is we are both survivors. I mean, in a good way. I mean, we are survivors, uh, but we've experienced firsthand that uh, going through the diagnosis of breast cancer is extremely stressful. And uh, can you imagine layering on top of that that you can't pay for it? No, I can't. Yeah. And in in North Carolina, actually in, in the United States, one in eight women will get diagnosed with breast cancer. And... It's, it's hard to imagine when you go to a restaurant and you see eight girls gathered at a table having fun that one of them is going to have breast cancer at some point in her in her lifetime. Right. Yeah. You know, the good news in all of this, though, is that in North Carolina, uh, we just got a recent report from the North Carolina Comprehensive Cancer Control Program. The good news in all of this is that in our state, with our incredible medical systems, uh, with early detection and treatment, women have a 90% chance of survival. Oh, good. I yeah. Mean, that's, yeah, that is huge. So that was going to be a question that I asked um, is because you said that for many of these women, you know, it is, you are their last resort. You know, they have gone through all other options. So by the time that they get to you, I'm just kind of curious, you know, do you have any information about staging you know are these typically women who then are now you know more late later stage breast cancer because they've been trying to get you know financial support and haven't found it well the answer is the unmeasured answer is is yes you're right uh we we don't um have a lot of deep history on staging uh because we're going to help anybody at whatever stage when they come in the door and to your earlier point, whether it's a man or a woman, we, we've actually served three men in our history. Oh, so, thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you for saying every, that. <laughs> we're open to, to women and men, everybody in North Carolina, anyone with a diagnosis and can't pay for it, the, the, we, we want to help them. And um, it, so the, our, our quest then is to try to give them their shot at the 90% chance of survival, but unfortunately, by the time they reach us, uh, they are later stage. Yeah. And um, also, half the population that we serve are, are non-white, mm-hmm. and they also tend to present later. Yeah. So, so uh, while our population, if, if we were to measure it, they, they wouldn't be at the 90%. But our goal is to try to give them their chance to have their 90%. Absolutely. Well, and you're, you know, it's, um, and my, my listeners have, um, have probably heard this before, but I will share it with you. Um, you know, I, I specifically did this research project and, not only did I find that it was un and underinsured, you know, and a lot of resources that are available 
still are not supporting that subgroup of people. Um, but I also found that, you know, African-American women have the highest mortality rate. And, you know, those two things have always just sat really heavy in my heart. Um, you know, so it's, I mean, I'm glad that you're willing to help anybody, but I know that there is that sub, you know, these two groups of people, right, un- and underinsured, and then also, you know, African-American women. And I don't know that that's specifically, you know, the larger population that you're serving, but I know that both of those groups need so much more help than what is being provided. That's exactly right. And and yes, uh, uh, 48% of the women we serve are African-American. Okay. So we are, we are all about... Uh, diversity and inclusivity and making sure that everybody that comes to us gets their chance. So we, we have been uh, at the pulpit in African-American churches reaching out to, to ask our um, citizens, our sisters, to go find anybody that they know that, they have, has, that has breast cancer and that, that needs our help. Yeah. So that, we are... We've been very fortunate to get a lot of help in finding uh, candidates that that need our assistance. Well, and that was going to be one of my questions, because what you had said was, we wake up every day trying to look for these people, you know, trying to find these people who need our support. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, well, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so one of the things, obviously, is that you're going into churches, and I love that. I think that's, um, I think that is just genius, quite honestly. Uh, wouldn't have thought about that myself, but that's, <laughs> I mean, really, that is genius. But what other things are you doing to try to find these people, um, you know, that need your support and services? Well, first of all, all the county health departments know about us. So that that's a great source for us to with the social workers to make sure that social workers in every county of North Carolina know about Pretty in Pink and because they may be the first ones to see someone. Also, we maintain great relationships with all radiologists. So when people come in for their mammogram and get a diagnosis, you know that 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 may be a good place to start also. But in addition to that, uh, we do lunch and learns. You know, sometimes a Rotary Club will invite us to speak or we'll go speak at a chamber of commerce or, you know, we'll get out and um, go to a, 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 an event where we're allowed to be the guest speaker um, while they're doing a fundraiser. So we, um, we look for any opportunity that we can to get out in person in the state and make, make ourselves known. Uh, and then, of course, we rely on social media. You know, our, yeah. we have our, our <laughs> Facebook presence and Instagram presence. And uh, so we are, are constantly pushing out uh, to social media and through our newsletter uh, that we are looking for candidates. Wow. And that's a lot. I mean, yeah. um, I could, you know, this, this past year, Melissa, I think we're going to end up serving around 270 <gasps> people. Oh, my gosh. With, uh, with 20 more applications that were in process when we ended the year. And just to put that in perspective for you, uh, last year we served 184. Oh my goodness. The year before that it was 159 and the year before that it was 101. Oh. So, um, you know, here in the year of COVID we, we served 270 and, and 20 more are coming, coming through the door as we speak. 
And I feel like it's, you know, and again, here I am in tears um, because it is such, like I just, I feel it so heavy in my heart. Um, you know, I, I would think that it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Where on one side of that, it's, look at so many more people that we're helping. You know, we're changing the lives and and hopefully improving and increasing the survival rates of, you know, 270 people. And then on the other side of that is it's almost double from what we had last year. So this is, a, you know, twice as many people who are impacted, you know, financially um, in this situation. Like it just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you've looked at it that way, but for me, that was the first thing that I thought of was like, oh my gosh, like, that's great. You know, that's great that they're helping this many people, but my heart is hurting so much that there are that many people that need that support. I know it is, it's, it's heartbreaking really uh, to read their stories. When you apply for help uh, from Pretty and Pink Foundation, there's an application to go through. And of course it's, you know, the, you know, where do you live and the, pathology report and that sort of thing but also we ask every champion we call everyone we help our champions we ask that we ask our champion to please tell us their story in their own words and <laughs> and now now i have tears in my eyes <laughs> i very very hard to read these stories oh i'm sure our women 85 percent of the people that we serve have jobs they wake up and they go to their jobs and they make ends meet and they take care of business, but they are not ready for the financial calamity of a breast cancer diagnosis. And these are these are yoga instructors and retail cashiers and dance teachers and uh, special ed uh, helpers, uh, uh, hairdressers, the people that started their own business. Are an hourly workers. You know, they, these are not lazy people. They're, these are people that are doing their 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 job and taking care of their business. And then this happens. Yeah. Well, and I and think breast- that's a lot of what you know people don't get. You know, and and like I I know that there are more resources for people who are uninsured versus underinsured. That underinsured population, like they really don't get what they need. Like they don't have good enough insurance to, you know, meet, to pay for what, what it is that they need. But then they also don't qualify for the services that might be available for the uninsured through the state or through, you know, financial or federal financial assistance. Like they don't qualify for that. So there's this large portion of people who exactly what you said, like they are working and they're trying to make ends meet, you know, but they can't because on one side they can't get what they need in terms of treatment because their insurance won't pay for it and they still don't qualify for other services and financial assistance on the other end of it. So they're just kind of stuck in the middle. And I honestly cannot even fathom having to make a decision between do I feed myself and my family, my children, or do I get the treatment that I need to try to survive this? Like I, I like that just it puts a pit in my stomach that I just I, I don't even have words, quite honestly. Like it just my stomach is just turning um, yeah. having to think about that. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head there. there there's this this group of people that are just trapped. 
Mm-hmm. They uh, they have some modest insurance, but they're inadequately insured, and they might have a deductible of you know five or seven thousand dollars, and they don't have. They yeah. just they don't, and so they can't because they can't pay their deductible. They they can't proceed on with their treatment, or you know that they're they're they've got several visits a week chemotherapy once or twice a week and fifty dollars a hundred dollars a copay every time you sit down well you know they they have enough for their basic needs but they don't have this kind of extra built in to their their financial stream so you're right it's the these underinsured they don't qualify for a lot of programs and yet at the same time they don't have the finances to get their insurance to a place where it will kick in and cover them. That's it. Well, and I have always said, um, I remember writing at the end of my paper that no life should ever have a price tag, right? Like the price tag on my life isn't higher because I have better insurance. Like it shouldn't be that way. You know, what I have access to, everybody should have access to, you know, there, there's, I, I really struggle with the whole um, medical system as it is. And I don't want to get too far deep in that because I feel like that conversation <laughs> might totally shift, <laughs> at least from my end. Um, but really, I mean, we are just, you know, we're, we really are not taking care of people the way that we should be, you know. And, and to hear that people are turned away for treatment mm-hmm. because they don't have insurance or it's not good enough is just foul. Like it is yeah. like that is just disgusting to me. Right. Now let's get, you know, in these stories, uh, I, I keep them in my notebook cause I don't ever want to get numb to it or, or forget it. I, I tend to watch the numbers and I'm uh, a, a numerical person anyway, but behind each of these, these numbers is a, a person yeah. with a name and a street address in North Carolina. That's in the fight for her life. And I'll just read you some of the, the last sentences that on some of these applications. It's that this breast cancer is the worst thing I've gone through in my life. Devastated doesn't, doesn't even explain how I feel. Here's another one. I'm so stressed right now that I don't know what to do at this point. I need help. Another one. Any consideration in this matter will help with my being able to hold it together mentally and financially. And finally, here's another one. I don't want this cancer to ruin me financially. I need to have a roof over my head. I'd be thankful for any assistance you can provide. Oh, my gosh. I know. I honestly don't know how you read those stories every day. I would be a mess. (laughs) I'm just a a very sensitive person. It sounds like you might be, too. But, um, yeah. I haven't. I have a hard exterior, but when I read these stories, it, it does bring tears to my eyes every single time yeah. I read them. Yeah. It's very hard to read. And I'm, you know, and, and, you know, you, you had said yourself that you are a survivor, you know, that Dr. Tolnich was your surgeon, um, right. you know, so you come at it from a very different perspective. You know, I don't know who, what the experience is of anybody else that's involved in the foundation, but you know, here you are reading all of these letters and you can sit in that seat, right? Like not completely, but you can really relate to just your own experience with breast cancer and then what these people are going through. 
That is that is so true. I, I remember when I was diagnosed, um, I, I lost my mother to breast cancer when I was 11. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, if I can just live long enough to see my kids graduate from high school, I, I feel like they'll probably make it. And, it, you know, that's the kind of goals you set for yourself when you get a yeah. diagnosis of breast cancer is just, just, I hope I make it long enough until, some, you know, yeah. some major event happens in your life. And, and fortunately, I have made it that far. So I can't stress enough for everybody listening, Melissa, how important it is for women to get their mammograms. Mm-hmm. Back to this point of early detection and treatment is um, you know, go to your doctor and find out for you and your family history when you should start having your mammograms. And I'm not a doctor and I can't say, but but what I can say is this, is, is reading the data from the North Carolina Comprehensive Cancer Care Control Program, and I'm, I'm a member of that, is that 85% of, of women diagnosed with breast cancer have no family history. That's it. So, so please don't, 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 as your listeners, please don't talk yourself into thinking it's not going to happen to you because you have no family history. Because yes. 85% of the people out there that are going to be diagnosed in 2021 in North Carolina with breast cancer aren't going to have any family history. And, and we don't want the family history to start with you. Right. So please get get out there and get get your mammograms, and so that if you do get that serious diagnosis, that you can get immediate help, and and if you need financial help, you know to come come to us. Yeah. So, you know, I was I looked at your website um, pretty in depth. I checked out all the tabs, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know. I'm, I'm kind of curious. So, you, you know, you talked a lot about what it is that you provide, kind of who it is that you provide it to. Like, you know, you're talking about surgeries um, with the exception of reconstruction, um, chemotherapy administration, radiation therapy, co-pays, co-insurance, um, and, you know, some other things. Is there, so first of all, what kind of fundraising activities do you do to get that money? And is there a cap on how much a person can receive. Yes. In fact, I, I, I want to say that to qualify for our services, uh, you have to be a, a, US res, a U.S. citizen and a North Carolina resident and make uh, less than 250% of the federal poverty level, and, and that level is on our website. But just to put it in perspective for the, for the listeners here, for a single person, uh, that would be an income of uh, less than about $30,000. Yeah. So if, if you're a, a U.S. citizen, North Carolina resident, and make less than that and have, having trouble paying your bills, you would qualify for a grant from Pretty in Pink Foundation. And we, we give out grants in $2,500 and $3,500 increments. Okay. So if you're un, un, underinsured, your grant is $2,500. And if you're uninsured, it's $3,500. And we ask that the, the bills then start, and once you're approved, uh, send the bills directly to us. And we pay the bills directly to the service provider. In other words, yeah. we, we help the champion get out of the middle of the, the money yeah, and the, so that they can concentrate on their health and their, their nutrition and, and getting their, the treatment that they need. So this $2,500 we, we negotiate 
we get on the phone with the, the healthcare providers and the financial coordinators of these institutions, and we negotiate down to the lowest rate that they'll take. Oh my God. Can we just pause there for one second? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to pop in here again with our, <laughs> our current system that we have in place. Like, I really just wish that we could just do that, you know, like for people who are underinsured, like if your insurance doesn't really cover it well, can we not negotiate, right? Like, give me a, a different price. Give me what, what's your bottom line, right? So that I can get this person the, the care that they need. Like, I just, you know, I feel like they need, you know, Becky Horns who are just working in insurance so that they can call and negotiate these cheaper prices for people. Um, I love that you do that. I love it. I mean, I think that that's amazing. Well, that's how we stretch our dollars. I mean, so- it's smart. I, I, you know, look, I love money and I really like to save money as well. And really I'm very, um, you know, fiscally responsible with my money and I want to stretch my dollar too. So I love it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a great system. Well, thank you very much. You know, you can see the kind of talent we need on board to, to manage our business is that we're, we're dealing with people that are extremely stressed and, uh, worried about themselves. We're dealing with financial institutions that never talk to these people. So, you know, we, we try to get, get, help them understand what these candidates are up against, our, our champions. So we get them there, we stretch their $25 or their $3,500 for the uninsured. We, we pay at the, the Medi- Medicaid rate mm-hmm. and, uh, and stretch out the dollars as, as far as we can. And then if that's not enough, we just give them another grant. But we we don't we don't leave anybody in the lurch and, and or in a position where they cannot continue. We just stay with them until, like, until it's done. Good. I'm so, so glad to hear that. I mean, I, yeah. I I just, you know, I think about um so when I was doing that research project, I had contacted my insurance company and I said, "I want a final number." of what it is that you paid out for my care over the last year and a half, whatever it was. Um, I accidentally got the hospital bill um, for my mastectomy, uh, which was crazy. I mean, it was $50,000, But I, you know, I, I had asked for that number and just for a year and a half, and mine was, this was, you know, I went in, I had a mastectomy, I had 30 rounds of radiation, I had the reconstruction, um, and it was over $300,000. Right. And that was the price that they had negotiated, right? Like, I know that that wasn't the price that somebody who walks through the door that is uninsured or underinsured, you know, that's not the quote they would get. Mine would be cheaper um, at that point in time. This was you right. know, 14 years ago. But, you know... I mean, I, I can't even imagine knowing. Breast cancer is really expensive. It is. I mean, it genuinely is. And, you know, I don't think people realize that, you know, I mean, it was a year and a half of 300, 300 and, you know, 50, whatever thousand dollars. And I, like, I was floored. I was just floored. And again, it went back to the research project that I was doing. It just really, really hurt me. Um, because I know that there were people that, you know, I I was very lucky. I had great insurance 
and I am very blessed and thankful for that, but there is no reason that the person who was sitting next to me at the doctor's office who didn't have as good insurance as I did had less of a chance to make it You're through right. than I did. Right. You're absolutely right. That that shouldn't exist. No. That should not be the case that your financial situation determines your access to life-saving medical treatment. Just should not exist. So it, if I could mic drop you right now, like I would <laughs> like that is like that's like a mic drop moment. <laughs> like, all right, Becky's done. I'm out. Um sure. you're one hundred percent on. Yeah. Yeah. Well I tell but we get a lot of help to to make those grants. Um, our largest um, donor is Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. Wow! Yeah, that was unexpected. They, they gave us uh, they they fund every uninsured patient uh, that comes in the door for us. Oh my last, gosh! Yep, that last year they they uh, gave us one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars to put toward uninsured women. So they, they take care of the uninsureds, and we, we get we, a significant gift from Searstone um, Retirement Community in Cary for the elderly with oh, breast wow. cancer county. Mm-hmm. And uh, companies like Catalant. Catalant uh, has been consistent in sending us a, sig- a significant check for the last several years to fund anyone in North Carolina. So we get we get business donations and grants, um, and then we have individual donations, and then the rest of it really um, about a, a third of what we bring in is is just people doing fundraisers on our behalf, people doing a walk or doing a, a, a contest or giving us a portion of their proceeds during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, or uh, doing a motorcycle ride for us. Um, or that they work for a company that has does matching donations. They double their impact by sending it through that that platform. Uh, or they work for a business that will, or an association that will select us as their their charity for the year. But those those are the three ways we get money in the door from from grants and then from from businesses and individuals doing donations and then from from people doing fundraisers for us. We receive no federal monies. Wow. We've received no state monies. I'm, we spend, I think I'm fl- like, I'm still just, I think I'm floored. Like I was not <laughs> expecting Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> Let me just say that. <laughs> um, I think that's great. I mean, it just, it, it was not what I was expecting. They gave us a, a three-year gift of $450,000. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this, I'm so and, proud. Like I'm just I, genuinely so proud of that. Uh, we've been working with Cheryl Parquet there. She's a sta- outstanding uh, professional and um, is our interface. She does an incredible job, and especially with related to diversity in our community. And um, this coming year, uh, we're on track to receive their their um, last year of gift of two hundred thousand to go toward uh, funding the uninsured in North Carolina. Um, and by the way, by our 100 counties, we've served uh, people in 94 of them so far. Oh, my far. gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, that's – your reach is amazing. Um, 
really. We we have a you know our headquarters is is in Raleigh, and we have a satellite office in Winston Salem. Uh, but we we reach every county. We we haven't served two or three along the in Appalachia and two or three along the the Virginia border. Okay. Other than that, we we've, we've helped everybody. Wow. Every, every and um, we're on, we're on the the hunt to go get those last six in the door. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I you know I don't I don't want to end our podcast without making mention of the fact that you also provide other resources um, to breast cancer champions. Um, you know, on the website, I, I had seen that you also do special care bags. Um, you offer, yeah. you know, certain uh, prosthetic units or pre and post surgery bras, um, wigs, camisoles, um, and then information and referrals to community resources. So, I mean, you guys are really doing a whole lot of work. We, we try to hit all the bases. I mean, our primary mission is, is funding the medical treatment, but yeah. these women and a few men, these, these, these people, they need transportation to get to their appointments yeah. and they need childcare. They need all kinds of things. So on our website, I appreciate you bringing that up uh, on our resources page or more resources that, that, that handle these other things that we don't do that aren't, aren't within the, our mission per se. But in addition to that, for any woman with breast cancer in North Carolina, including our champions, we will put together a, a comfort care tote bag for them that includes the things that you would need if you were getting uh, chemo and radiation, a blanket and a cap and some p- hand puzzles to do and a, a pillow, seatbelt pillow to oh, uh, yeah. give protection and comfort and some makeup. And um, we've learned that for, for many African-American women, um, chemo just turns their nails dark black. And so it, it's disturbing for them. So, you know, having to, to, to fight this deadly disease is hard enough. But, you know, getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror and seeing someone you don't recognize. Yes. And uh, so we have free wigs, free makeup, free uh, prostheses and bras. So, And we are, are, are uh, working with Survivor Friendly, a great new nonprofit uh, in Cary to help distribute that. They have a, a brick and mortar place in Cary and that's on our website too. To If you are in need of that kind of service, you can go to the Pretty in Pink room and get those free resources there. I love it. I mean, I really am just completely in awe of um, <laughs> all that you guys are doing and really genuinely all I keep thinking is, how do we clone them? <laughs> How do we clone you guys so that we can make this available to everybody um, around the country? Like, I, I think the work that you are doing is just phenomenal. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited to share this. Um, and I don't know, maybe you'll get an influx of people moving to North Carolina. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because the, I mean, the, the, the work is so necessary and, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that has to be done. And I wish that there were more organizations that were able to do this. Um, so at some point, maybe it's a consideration of moving into, um, another state or growing and expanding. We're get we're getting really good at what we do, um, 
And as soon as we can get to the sense that we have a replicatable model that's yeah. economically viable, uh, I know that, that Dr. Tolnich would like to see that as well. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I just... Um like she just, I, I've never met her. I've never talked to her. I don't even know who she is. I saw her picture on the website, but she speaks to my heart. Um, and you know, if I could just ask you just from myself to say to her, thank you. Just absolutely. Thank you. I will do that. She's a, a very special person that has the intent and the drive to turn her charity and, and her good heart into a, a reality program, a pretty, a pretty in pink foundation so that we can actually go out and do good. She doesn't just talk about it. She does it. Yeah. Well, speak for her period. Yeah. I mean, she, she obviously is a very special person. And so, um, a couple of things before we do go, um, if anybody is interested in finding more information, they can go to prettyinpinkfoundation.org. Um, and then they can also follow you on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, that's okay. exactly right. Yeah. So and it, then, oh, sorry, go ahead. I just want to say our, 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 my final appeal here is that if, if you know anyone that's uh, economically disadvantaged and having trouble paying their, their bills for breast cancer, please send them to us and we will do what we can to help them. Absolutely. And I have one shout out that I want to give. Um, actually, it's two. It's kind of a twofold thing. But um, I want to say, first of all, thank you so much to my friend Jolene, um, who referred me to Tara. <laughs> And, um, you know, Tara got me hooked up with you. Um, so through those connections, um, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast to be able to share the information behind Pretty in Pink. And, um, you know, if at any point in time you want to come back on the show and share your personal story uh, behind the pink ribbon, I would love to have you on um, for that purpose as well. So thank you so much, Becky. Thank you, Melissa. This has just been uh, priceless to help us get the word out. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.